This is Jeff Billard from the Amigos Audio Collective, thanking you for listening to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. New Kingdom Radio Theater. The Rise of King Asylus is brought to you by the J.V. Micah Publishing Company, publishers of the Blake's Secret Short Reader Series for Beginner English Learners and the I Want to Learn English textbook. Please visit www.iwtle.com. In America's Second Civil War, a leader emerges that would unite the people and redefine the nation. Army General Asilas Roman led America out of the darkness of brother versus brother, sister versus sister, and neighbor versus neighbor, and into enormous prosperity unlike anything the world had ever seen before. The high cost of changing the country from lost in ambiguous character to unified and stoic populism was ultimately worth paying. For in the end of America's attempted suicide, it grew larger and more powerful than any empire before. America became the new kingdom of America. It ceased to be a democracy. Instead, it found wealth and expansion under a king. King Asylus. This is the story of his rise to the ultimate power. I wasn't born to be a king. I was born to a military family and grew up mostly in Florida, but we moved around to several states and even a few countries. I loved the army from the time I could love anything. My whole upbringing, I wanted to be a general in the army. I wanted to lead men into battle and be a warrior. I wanted to serve my country as a patriot and a soldier. I loved the United States, and all I ever wanted to do was preserve the American way of life. But... Some very terrible things happened. There were great divisions among the people. It started with politics, Democrats versus Republicans, then conservatives versus liberals, and then the conversation went deeper to socialist versus capitalist, free market versus the federalization of private enterprise. Politics became so toxic, even family members were fighting. Sometimes to the point of killing each other. 
It's like the whole country was gripped by a triggered madness or a virus, and people took to the streets to fight over frivolous things. To make matters more complicated, America was at war with phantoms, the so-called terrorist groups, and even some countries. It was like going into battle with shadows. We could never actually see or know if we were winning. But citizens didn't care about wars with other countries. They cared about opinions and wanted to destroy aspects of America by attempting to scrap the Constitution, the right to free speech, the right to bear arms, and the right to due process. America was being torn apart from within, from its own citizens. Most had no idea why they were so angry. But I sort of knew. I was aware of what the government was doing to its people. I was aware of corporations using social experiments to trigger the dormant virus in the American psyche. The poison put in foods over generations. The poison put in their minds through music and television shows. The poison put into education through indoctrinization of super self-importance and the dismissal of American pride and patriotism. I wasn't born to be America's king. But America faltered to the point it could no longer sustain its own self. The very aspects of democracy had ruined the essence of American pride, and the very notion of American pride became offensive to the ubiquitous many. It became too difficult to be American around Americans in a self-loathing, relentless sloshing of what was politically correct and what was not. I never learned who the authorities were that deemed subtleties as offensive or politically incorrect, but something told me it originated from the pits of hell because nothing good ever came from it. I became king, reluctantly. But now, the country is much better for it. Thanks be to God. At the start of America's second civil war, the country was segmenting into five different parts. There were essentially five fronts and General Asilus was given the authority to negotiate with the leaders of the five separatist groups by the president. As it turned out, the president was rather weak and unsure of what to do. It was, after all, unprecedented that so many states wanted to secede from the Union and to become sovereign nations. But unlike Abraham Lincoln and how he dealt with the state trying to leave the Union, America's last president did not have the grit to face his political adversaries. Instead, he gave that responsibility to General Asylus Roman, 
a true patriot, and a man he knew and trusted with the fate of the nation. The war was brutal and bloody. Two long years of battles resulted in millions of dead Americans, both as casualties of war and collateral damage. The five separatist groups underestimated General Silas and often overplayed their hand. They thought they could stretch the American military so thin they could take advantage of any fractures. But the U.S. military never wavered and General Silas played the mind games of his adversaries. In a gesture that appeared to show the U.S. military was willing to talk to the separatists in order to avoid the surrender, Silas asked to speak with the leaders of the separatists in the neutral zone. The leaders, at first, wanted to send representatives to negotiate terms with the general, but Silas insisted either all of the leaders met in one room or the fighting would continue. And nobody wanted more bloodshed. The years of war and loss had taken a bitter toll on everyone. So, reluctantly, the leaders agreed to meet in Toronto on Canadian soil. And at that meeting, General Silas had all of the leaders of the separatist groups assassinated. It was the beginning of the great undertaking. Senators and members of Congress from every state were arrested and were all assassinated one by one. It was the single most treacherous night of assassinations in any nation's history. General Silas declared martial law and all states were put on high alert. If anyone attempted to re-establish the separatist groups, or attempt to re-engage the United States with paramilitary action, the president was prepared to launch nuclear bombs on everyone who dared. Without the head of separatists and the threat of nuclear bombs, the five separatist groups surrendered. General Silas Roman had done the impossible. He reunited the country. The war was finally over. There were many celebrations in the streets for days on end, but eventually, when the elation subsided, people began to wonder why General Asylas and not their president continued to talk to the people on television. 
There was chatter on the internet and many questioned whether the president was even in power anymore. Asylus wanted to address people's concerns and scheduled a televised and live stream press conference early in the day. I want all Americans to know the state of our union. While the Civil War happened because of the separatist state's intention of seceding from the United States of America, their efforts essentially created an instability of our country's government. But we all know our United States government was already in disarray, even before the war broke out. Our political system failed us in the end. Our three branches of government ultimately became so corrupt and self-serving that a civil war was inevitable. Things happened the way it did because our democratic system had run its course. Like food on the counter that spoils over time, so did our government. And for things to remain in order, I will continue to impose martial law until a new government is put into place. Therefore, the celebrations must stop. I will come back on television, radio, and the internet tomorrow to announce our new government. In the meantime, all networks will be running state-approved programs for your viewing pleasure. This evening, the President will speak to us all from the White House. I caution all Americans to limit the content they watch on the internet and TV. Do not believe any news reports that are not coming from the White House. I am here with the President, and tomorrow you will wake up in a whole new view of our beautiful country. God bless America. People became uneasy about General Asylus's announcement. After his brief statement, the internet lit up with all sorts of conspiracies. The tension mounted as the president took to the airwaves that evening. In a somber tone, he spoke the most shattering words Americans had ever heard. The United States was to be no more. Fellow Americans, today our country will begin a completely new chapter in our existence. We have endured a bloody, costly civil war in which many of our brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers have paid for with their lives. What they paid for was our salvation as a people and to right the ship that had run aground. Our country was splitting apart, literally at the seams and we made some hard choices. Some chose to save themselves and tried to break away from the union. And there were five separate groups that tried. 
we had to war with ourselves in order to bring everyone back together. But that isn't the whole story. We were a nation torn and divided long before the war. Our political system had become so corrupt, so partisan, that obstructionism became business as usual, and we all suffered and choked because some people simply became too powerful. And to be frank, too many people held on to their power no matter how it hurt our country. And the politics meant to keep our nation honest was anything but. This led us ultimately to how we came to war with ourselves. Thank God for General Asilas. We thank God that he was here to lead us all through the bleakness of nearly two years of this nation's second civil war. General Asilas did not operate under a partisan agenda. He did not wish to defeat an enemy, nor was he motivated by monetary profit. Our country owes him immensely because there were moments it seemed like the opposition had the advantage. No one was sure what the outcome would be, except for General Asilas. He always assured us our nation would prevail. So tonight, I want all Americans to rally behind General Asilas because come midnight tonight, America will be entering a new era. It will not be business as usual. It will not be like our old political system. We know that system is a complete failure. Effective midnight tonight, I will no longer be the president of the United States of America. At exactly 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, our country will change to an absolute monarchy and General Asilas will become our nation's first king. We will now become the new kingdom of America with General Asilas as our king and our people will no longer have to suffer under the partisanship and corruption of our old political system. King Asilas will have the final say on how our government will function. He will right this ship and rid us of the leeches and oligarchy that ruined democracy. God bless the new kingdom of America and King Asilas.
America. The whole world is waiting for the transfer of power in Washington tonight. We are at the White House and are just moments away from General Asilas Roman being sworn in as America's first king. The swearing-in is said to take place in the Oval Office. We go live now to listen to General Asilas. I have to say, Asilas, looking at the paintings of our country's founders in the halls of the White House is very sobering. I can't imagine any of my predecessors sitting in this Oval Office and contemplating the end of democracy in the United States. Nor did I imagine the fate of the United States would come to this. So I echo that sentiment, Mr. President. I am curious, Asilas. Do you really think this whole thing happened by chance? What do you mean? You do remember all the oaths you took in defending our country, right? I do. And do you remember those, well, gatherings we had? Those nights when we had to dress up in robes and dance around a giant fire, chanting things in Latin. You remember those. Actually, I would rather forget those gatherings, as you say. This whole thing was planned, Asilas. Someone had an idea and scenarios were constructed, and this was one of the possible outcomes everyone could live with. You do understand this, I hope. I imagine I have no choice. I mean, look at the painting of George Washington on the wall. There was a man who was asked to be king. He would have been America's first king, but instead he declined. I guess democracy was his way to immortality. All of those guys back then, they must have been so proud to have designed this government. It was planned so perfectly. And yet, I can't help but look at his portrait and know in my heart we let them all down. Mr. President, we did not let them down. They let us down. They created and handed over a system that was bound to fail. And other presidents saw it. They knew it and tried to warn us about it. But the monster just got bigger and more powerful. So powerful that they make men like us dress up in costumes and secret locations and chant stupidities in Latin. 
I find that whole mess ridiculous. Ridiculous or not, you will have to deal with them, the monster, now more than ever. And when they call, you will answer. When they tell you to act, you will act. That is my advice to you. Now, are you ready to hold this office? I do have to ask, just because I have to be the first one to ask. Will you turn the Oval Office into a throne room? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that would be appropriate. I love the tradition of this office too much to do something like that. The Oval Office will never be a throne room. I promise you that. Well, Asylus, three minutes left. I can hear movement out in the hallway. The justice holding that Bible will come in soon, along with all the witnesses, and you'll be sworn in as king. I hope you're ready for this because not only America, but the entire world will change with every action you take. Good luck to you, my friend. And should you ever need my counsel, I'll be here anytime you need me. Thank you, Mr. President. I will definitely need you. The country will need you. Okay, I'm ready. The country had now become the new kingdom of America, and from the very first day, things were very different. Some people were very excited about having a king, someone in complete control instead of the chaos of politics. Others were not pleased and took to the streets to protest, but that didn't last very long. People quickly learned Asylus had a heavy hand and dealt with dissidents harshly. And when the troublemakers were weeded out, prosperity began to be experienced by everyone. The number of poor people declined steadily, and the economy grew exponentially. King Asylus was soon being praised and celebrated. He was the man in charge, but a man whose past was haunting him. Very early into his reign, King Asylus was having trouble sleeping because of night terrors. He was so sure of everything he was doing as king. Changing the power structure to include the states more, dismantling many of the government agencies, and change the purpose and authority of the Supreme Court. His plans and the people he appointed to carry out the nation's restructuring was brilliant. It's just no one knew about his inner troubles. No one except his wife, Queen Rebecca, and his secret doctor, Dr. Ezekiel. You've been listening to The Rise of King Silas, Episode 1, The Ascension, 
starring J.V. Torres as King Silas, Clarence Jackson as the president, and narrated by Sergei Brezhnikov. Also in this episode, Meg McDonald and Don Radzinski. Music contributions include the song My Life's Work, performed by John Brazil, and Impossible Bottle by Signal to Noise. Other contributors include Audio Jungle and Freesound.org. For more information about this production, please visit our website at www.theriseofkingasilas.com and subscribe to this podcast. This production is copyrighted 2017 by the J.V. Micah Publishing Company in Baltimore, Maryland and the New Kingdom Radio Theater. All rights reserved. Thank you for listening. And make sure to tune in for episode two. For friendly service and fuel that's fine, there's a smile for every mile at the Ocean sign. Good afternoon, miss. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood, Ocheline Station. What can I do for you today? Hola, Jess. I need exactly two dollars of Ocheline, por favor. Excuse me, did you say... See, si. I said exactly two dollars, please. This is the Ocheline Station, Jess. Yes, indeedy. We sell only Ocheline with or without kelpinate and Ocheline sargasso with saladine. But why do you want exactly $2 worth? Because the man on the radio told me that I would get more miles per dollar when I choose Ocheline with kelponate. Today, I plan to drive twice as far as I normally do. Yes, I see. And I will also need enough Ocheline to get back home. Juicy? Uh... See, I see. For friendly service and fuel that's fine, there's a smile for every mile at the Ocheline sign. Ocheline.